Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Today we are going to be talking about family meetings, and this is going to be an interesting topic to me. I love the thought of family meetings. We've touched on multi-generational family meetings before in our discussions, and we're going to do a deep dive today. So let's get started. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning, Eric. Hey, Eric. Good morning. All right. So what's going on? We've got family meetings, and I've usually referred to these as multi-generational family meetings, and I'm assuming that's kind of the point to get everybody together. Is that what you call them, or is it just family meetings for you guys? Family meetings, typically. Right yeah, I, but the goal, is, you're right on, is intergenerational, multi-generational. That's, that's definitely the key here. All right. Where do we start in this process? How do you even broach that subject with a family? Is that part of the onboarding process or the discovery process that you guys have? Yeah, let me start the meeting today. It's really a, a dialogue that we have with families. Obviously, planning is a key focus of ours. We take our families through as we talked in the past in other podcasts, a very in-depth analysis and implementation of change in their planning mm-hmm. for generations. It's, that's very complex by its nature. But along the way, who controls all the information? How does it get to the next generation? How do they understand all the components that were put together? So family meetings have become, from our perspective, a very, very important part of the equation to allow the next generation and all members of the family to understand you know, the vision of, or we often talk about the mission statement of the family, mm-hmm. where they're going and what their goals are, what they want to try to achieve from implementation of values to transfer wealth to community and all those other aspects of planning that they focus on. These meetings are critical from our perspective to get everybody on the same page. I think we've mentioned the shirt sleeves proverb on prior podcasts, but just to reiterate what that is, that's a proverb that essentially says that wealth is created and lost within the span of three generations. And so that's this recycling process that really happens with family wealth. And a lot of the experts in this field, when they study it, one of the major reasons why they believe this happens is because there's too much focus on, let's say, the financial capital of what makes up a family and not enough focus on the intellectual capital, the human capital, the social capital that makes up a family. And these family meetings are really ways in which we can sort of bridge that gap and really focus on those other less talked about areas. Yeah, absolutely. I think that any family that's looking to build and preserve wealth, I mean, if you look at buildings, right, ancient buildings that have great foundations, they last for thousands and thousands of years. And you're talking just, you said, I think three generations, Michael, with 60 to 80 to 100 years in just a few generations. You want your building to have a better foundation than that. You don't want things crumbling around you or around your great-grandchildren in 60 years. That would be devastating to see if you're still around. So It happens often. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I, we may have mentioned this statistic on prior podcasts as well, but I think it's such an important statistic that there is a uh, the Institute for Preparing Heirs had a study and they surveyed a thousand uh, high net worth families and were asking about the, their process of transferring wealth between generations and sort of the, the struggles that they may have had with that. And of those thousand families that they surveyed, 700 of them responded that they failed to adequately transfer wealth 
to the next generation, mm-hmm. which I found an astounding statistic. I almost fell off my chair when I read yeah. it because me as well. I mean, it's seven, 70% of these families failed to do that. And when they delved down further to ask why that happened, 85% of those uh, 700 families said that the reason why they failed to transfer wealth was either because they did not properly communicate between the generations and that they also did not properly educate the next generation in terms of being able to handle the wealth that was going to be transferred to them. So these family meetings, again, become really, really important to help you know, discuss that with the family because it, all of our families are very concerned about that, as are we. And again, this family meeting just becomes a really important way to, to help prevent these startling statistics. Yeah. And remember, we talked in previous podcasts, Eric, about how complex families are in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, your family, your kids are all different. Your siblings are all different. How do you get a mindset where you bring all these different parties together and agree on a topic or agree on a focus? Yeah. It's a challenge. And it gets to be, we kid around all the time, we're more psychiatrists and financial advisors most of the time because we help guide the family emotionally through a lot of these issues. It's never going to get right or perfect. It, we, we try our hardest to get it to the right spot. I'll give an example. Michael mentioned intellectual capital and human capital a little while ago. I had a case in Boston where a very high net worth family, dad died, uh, left the company to the two boys and nothing to the daughter as far as the business assets. When the uh, father died, our team came in and we did all the review and the, the auditing of the final estate of his father and brought all the family in and have a family meeting with the advisors. And the daughter sat in the front row and had her arms crossed. And that's a messaging as mm-hmm. a speaker. Absolutely. I don't want to be here. <laughs> this yeah. is not, I wasn't never part of this. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be here. My brothers kind of run the show and my dad never really got me involved. But as we went along with this meeting and started to discuss what dad's vision was, again, these children had no idea. She started to relax and take notes. And after the session was over, she came up to me and she said, John, that was a very, very powerful meeting. It was very enjoyable. And I never realized how my dad thought about things. And after this meeting, I'm going to talk to my brothers. I want to get reconnected to the business if possible. Mm -hmm. Now, the older brother heard it and he winked at me. And guess who runs the company now and double the revenue? The daughter. <laughs> so this Fantastic. this human capital, you don't know who they are yeah. that could step up to the plate and make a huge difference. She made a huge difference in this company going forward. And that was from one meeting one discussion. That's how powerful these these meetings can be. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. I teach communications and part of communications is body language and learning people's <laughs> body language. Yeah. And as you know, John, that arms crossed is closed, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that is, I'm closed. I'm not really willing to listen a whole lot. I'm sitting here because I have to be here, just like you had said. And for you to, to kind of break down those walls and break down those barriers, that's pretty powerful. But I just go back to kind of what society is telling these young folks, right? I mean, I say young folks, that puts me really old, doesn't it? Uh, but the, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the, right? The younger generations, what are they seeing from the media? What are they seeing from just the social behaviors of other people, other peers their age? I don't want to label millennials. I don't want to generation X, Y, Z, whatever they are. There's so many messages out there. And how do you break down those barriers when the messages have been for so long? Do what you want, when you want, how you want, because you know what? You only have one life to live. What is it, YOLO, right? YOLO, yeah. You only live once, so let's do what we want to do. And you've got grandma and grandpa that have built this wonderful foundation, this wonderful business. And I know we've talked about passing down values, but how do you truly get that accomplished? And I know you don't do it in just one meeting, but 
Oh, no. oh these speak are, to that these are every year. Bit. Yeah, speak to that a little bit. I mean, how do you continually engage these families so that you can see the maturity grow to the point where you can begin to trust that the youngest generation is going to follow what grandma and grandpa truly desire for their wealth? Well, it's like you mentioned, it's certainly a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And of course, every family is different. Every family has different dynamics and circumstances that play into that. I think it's really just a process. And as, as my dad said, nothing's ever going to be perfect. But one thing that is, I think, important in these discussions is, again, having that intergenerational communication. It can be a, a real struggle. I think we've done a good job with our families of sort of bridging that gap. But if you look at it from the standpoint of, in your example, Eric, grandma and grandpa having a certain set of values for how the wealth should be managed, and those values should be passed on in a great many cases mm -hmm. to the next generation. But there is a sort of evolution from the other side. The millennials are saying, okay, well, you know, I have my set of values and I totally need to uh, understand what grandma and grandpa's values are, but I need you to understand what our values are uh, as well because true. it is a yeah. balance. So sometimes you see that with older generations where they came up in a certain world, so let's say like the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. That's really going to have an impact on how you view assets and money and Future generations may not have that same outlook on life. So there, it's a balance. We certainly don't like to see families say everything has to be, quote unquote, walled up where you can't enjoy the wealth. Mm -hmm. But to your point, Eric, it's a balance. The YOLO conversation can sometimes go a little too far. Yeah. Walk me through or walk the audience through the main components of the family meeting, if you wouldn't mind. I know we don't have all that much time on the podcast today, but there's a ton that, to unpack there. But sure. what are the basics? Well, I, I think if you're trying to, if you're a family listening to this and you're trying to start this process, I think it's important to almost treat it, uh, and I hate to sound sterile when I say this, but treat it almost as a meeting, like how a business would have a meeting. So set an agenda, mm -hmm. meet, have a specific place that you're meeting. A lot of families like to do that in a, a neutral place. So maybe they go someplace outside of the family household to make sure that they're having this meeting. That just it's from a, I guess, just an environmental standpoint tends to work a little bit better with families. So things like that, I think, are important to, to have from the outset. Yeah, and the mindset from the attendees should be they should be patient and respectful because the communication from one generation to the next, sometimes the clarity gets confused. And I know you're probably going to laugh when I tell you this. Grandma and grandpa were depression babies. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell anybody anything because they worried about every penny because that's how they grew up. Mm -hmm. So talking to the next generation uh, up, there was a secrecy about what they had and where it was and how it was going to be protected. And only until the last minute when, when grandpa died, that's everyone knew where everything was. I can tell you case after case, Michael is smiling. <laughs> we see it all the time. Is I never knew what my grandma and grandma had or, or my father and mom had. I didn't understand this. So this is a starting point where the communications begins where let's understand where things are and what was created to protect it. Now, often comes up in the conversation, families say, well, I don't want my kids to know how much money we have. I smile and I said, listen, they know you're rich. How rich you are, they don't know. Mm -hmm. But you have three homes, you have 14 cars, whatever it might be. They know you're wealthy. So you don't have to tell them the zeros, but you could talk about wealth in general and say, we have wealth that needs to be transferred, and here's the reason why we set these trusts up. So first of all, there's got to be a clarity on the mission, what we're trying to accomplish as a family long term. The second, 
when you attend these meetings, you have to be open-minded and you have to be part of them. You have to be present. You have to be willing to share information. So we foster that with members. Listen, this is a once a year meeting. If you're unhappy about something, throw it out there. Let's all talk about it yeah. because that's what's, that's going to make these meetings important to all parties. So we try to open up the dialogue. But patience is critical because, again, there's this breakdown in, of clarity between generations sometimes has to be explained. Like you said, the millennials have an issue maybe on how they look at the world today. So once you get through the being present, listening becomes very, very important and be able to take minutes, mm-hmm. take notes and write down things that are important to you as part of that family that you discuss either the next day or you discuss at the next meeting or whatever the issue might be. Who should participate is really a question that comes up. All family members should participate. Now, one caveat is we always get famous saying, well, should the in-laws come? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting conversation. And we always say, yes, they should. It depends on what your focus is. In other words, if it's a bloodline conversation where you're going to talk about the trusts and how they're designed for the benefit of the heirs of the bloodline, maybe they shouldn't be there. But if you talk about general mission of the family, community, how we're going to move forward as a family over the next 20, 30, 40 years, obviously the in-laws could take and, and should take a key role in that. Yeah. And that discussion. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great point. I think when you start again, getting back to the conversation around the human capital of the family, well, in-laws can certainly play a really important part in that. We've had a lot of family meetings where the in-laws really, really had a lot to contribute and really helped form their in-laws family mission, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. So that does become important. But to my dad's point, that's sometimes a process. So a lot of our families, for at least the initial family meeting, they maybe keep that within the bloodline family and then slowly expand to bring in the in-laws in the future. Because very often, a lot of our families, they're going through this for the first time. So they're not really sure you know, how this is all going to work. And they try not to bite off more than they can chew right at the beginning. But eventually, many of our families, pretty, I would say most of our families end up bringing in the in-laws at some point. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, it was actually a meeting that I attended a few years back. There's a foundation out of Chicago called Shaking the Tree Foundation. Hmm. And they brought all their affluent families in to do a meeting. And they were having, they actually created a play. It was interesting. The play was around philanthropic giving. And the concept was around grandpa had the wealth. He wanted to give it out to these particular charities or these causes. The daughter of the next generation said, you know what, I agree with you, dad, but I'd rather give it to this group. And then the kids were saying, well, I, I don't know if I agree with either one of you guys. I want to give it to the AIDS Foundation. So you had three generations talking about how to give money away. And they were having an argument about it, which was interesting. So the play was designed to teach the families in the audience on how to address those issues on the philanthropic side of the world. Because wealthy families are very philanthropic. And a lot of people don't realize that. They give a lot of money away to a lot of great causes. And this play was designed just to do that, to teach these families. And a family jumped out of the in the audience, jumped out and said, I'm having that conversation with my family right now. I need to talk to you guys after the show. Mm-hmm. So it was really funny. But it had content, which was very appropriate. But it was it's that generational communication that there was a balance, as Michael just said, a balance between all three. And they got to a happy place. That's a unique way to approach it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So when, Absolutely. when you guys have the family meetings, how much are you presenting? How much is run by a family member? And what's the prep look like for that? We usually initiate and sort of supervise the meeting. So we'll usually kick it off and develop the agenda and send that out to the family members. 
So we'll work with the family members to come up with that agenda, Mm -hmm. and then we'll send it out to everybody. And we sort of become the, I guess, moderator, administrator, if you will, over the meeting. But really, our job is to not really lecture. Our job is really to sort of open the door, so to speak, and have the family really work through those issues. But we sort of moderate it and kind of keep everybody on track. All right. When it comes to emotions in these meetings, I'm sure they run pretty deep. How do you help individuals in those meetings? The young lady you spoke of, she came in closed off, right? But you may have people that come to the meeting apprehensive or really fearing what's going to be said or sad because they're thinking about end of days. The passing of wealth means usually the passing of a relative. And so looking at those different types of emotions, how do you help individuals through those moments when it can get a little bit tough in those meetings? It's difficult. I think we've been fortunate where we haven't had too many of those issues really become a big problem. I say it's it's a process. So that if that does happen, it's really, again, being open-minded. And I think, again, we, we've had good families where that we've always encouraged and, and in some ways require everybody to really be open-minded. Again, that listening comment that my father made earlier, that's how, again, I think that open-minded dialogue really does help that a lot because if you do have one family member that's apprehensive about coming into the meeting, maybe there's you know an issue that has happened in the past that's really been sticking in their craw for a good number of years and they this meeting or this forum really becomes a way for them to sort of air their grievances, so to speak. But we always encourage that that be done in a respectful manner and that there's no judgment going back and forth. So I think we've been successful. And again, having us involved in that, I think does help that too, because it's not just the family that's sort of left trying to figure that out on their own. We can kind of be that stabilizing force to help minimize those issues. Yeah, we had a recent case where we had a client come in and we were dealing with this estate conversation and we're talking about his beneficiaries. And he wanted to split the assets up with all of his kids. He was was married twice, multiple family members. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to leave one of the sons out. So I said, is there a reason why you're leaving Joe out? Well, you know, he really hasn't been part of the family. He's distant. He is this, he's that, whatever the, whatever the conversation was. I turned to him. I said, you know what? We always run into this, but I want you to keep your mind open to that sometimes children mature differently. They adjust to change. And I wouldn't necessarily be that concrete about it, but obviously I'll follow your direction and we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Well, about three months later, he came back. He said, listen, I'm changing my will. Joe's back in. Based on our conversation we had, I had a conversation with him, took him to dinner, and he's really changed and he's different. He's back now part of the family. Now he's part of those ongoing meetings. So sometimes a very small conversation can make a difference. That's why these communications are important not only to clients but to the members of the family that one day things can change forever for that family to the positive. It's just you have to have the conversation. You have to start it. We work with families that never talk to each other. The kids have no idea what's going on. They're angry at this sibling or that. And sometimes we help, again, being that psychiatrist, sometimes we help bring them together for the right reason, not a selfish one that the children might have against each other as siblings, just as a general focus on how we're going to move this family forward to be better stewards of wealth. And that's really what the whole character of this is. Let me paint a scenario for you because I've got this, this question is kind of bouncing around in my head. You've got grandma and grandpa who have initiated this conversation with you and that's your, the clients that you're working with. Uh, let's say they're in their seventies and then you've got their children, which in their forties to fifties, and then you've got some 20 to 30 year olds in the mix uh, as grandkids. 
once you've opened this conversation, you've had a family meeting, or maybe you've had a couple family meetings, how do you guys balance? I kind of picture you guys as the wizard behind the curtain, right? They've pulled the curtain. Aha, there's the people that are running the show here, <laughs> right? And that's, you know, they're, they're involved and they're the ones that are really helping grandma and grandpa. How often at that point are you receiving phone calls from the children and or the grandchildren in between family meetings or during that year where they're wanting to ask you questions and how do you handle that so that grandma and grandpa are still making the primary decisions and you're engaging their family, but at the same time, not engaging to the point where, you know, you're answering questions that need to be answered later on in the family meeting or grandma and grandpa need to address. How do you handle that? That's a good question. I think you're right. I think ultimately it's the family's decision. And so if we're, let's say, starting to work with mom and dad in that example, it's not to say that they dictate the process because there's no dictation here when it comes to these types of meetings, but they're sort of the family leader. So a lot of times they're the ones that sort of set the stage again with how much is either revealed in the family meeting because my dad says sometimes we don't even talk about dollars and cents at the early family mm -hmm. meetings because we're not quite there yet or the family's not quite there yet. But again, we do have those conversations. There was a family that we worked with that we had a family meeting. And after the family meeting, one of the daughters called us to ask a question that was not necessarily intrusive into the family's wealth per se, but just mm -hmm. trying to get education on her own personal situation, which was actually a, a very good and healthy conversation. But if that situation arises, we'll usually try to defer back to that family meeting context. Because again, when you start getting into these, I call them ex party type of communications where where maybe mom and dad are just communicating to one sibling and not the others, mm -hmm. that can sometimes cause some issues. So a lot of times we will try to defer that or put that as an agenda item for the next family meeting to discuss because, again, we want to keep that open communication because I, I think it was on our first podcast we talked about, Dad, your personal situation with uh, your sister and your mother's uh, estate and how that communication, if it's not done properly, can cause family strife. So we, we try to really avoid that as much as we can. It's not perfect, but I, I think we do a pretty good job of that. Yeah, it, I couldn't be more agreeable to Michael's comments. It, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be exactly the way everyone thinks it should be. But you got to make an effort to try. Because if you didn't try, you're going to fall or take more risk and it's never going to be achievable because people aren't focused on the issues. So we try our hardest as advisors with the other team of advisors to kind of keep the family on track. And we find when you do these meetings every year, they get better. Now, we have a family yeah. out of Florida that we had now have all the kids involved. And now they're involved with every single meeting quarterly we have with the client on his wealth. In other words, they know his numbers, they know where the assets are, they know the values of the assets. So it's, families mature into, all right kids, now you need to know what we have and what box it's in and how that box operates mm -hmm. so you guys can understand that when I'm no longer here. So these, these meetings get better over time. And again, we've been doing this 10, 15 years on the Copper Beach actually 11 years, but I've been doing this for 35 years in the same concept where you try to take the best road and hope for the best. And sometimes there's forks that you shouldn't take. Sometimes you fall in some potholes, but you have to pick yourself up and try to achieve for that, you know, that end game in mind having that family discussion work. Yeah. I, I really picture you guys as a GPS, you know, sometimes you just got to reroute, you know, <laughs> right. Redirect, get them, get them back on this path of that path. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, we, we are running low on time. Is there anything else that you want to share today about the family meeting process? Uh, just, it has to be done. I think any family, regardless of your wealth, 
It doesn't matter how rich you are. The, your children should know what's going to occur if something were to happen to mom and dad. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I couldn't echo that anymore. That's really, it's vital to have these meetings. Every family needs better communication. I mean, everybody Absolutely. could benefit from that. So guys, thank you so much for your time today. This is fantastic. Thanks, Eric. All right, and thank you all for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family, and this is a great way to broach this subject of wanting to have a family meeting or desiring that. If you're listening to this and this is something you want to do, first, reach out to John and Michael, and second, share this podcast with either your son or daughter or or your grandkids and just let them listen to it. Let them learn a little bit about what the future holds. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Incorporated, a member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of APFS and APA. Any opinions expressed in this forum are not the opinion or view of American Portfolios Financial Services, Incorporated, APFS, or American Portfolios Advisors, Incorporated, APA, and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.